Welcome back to the Lip Bay Podcast. I am your host, Kerwin, and today I am going to be talking about my top reads for nonfiction for 2022. Um, I was going to try to do like 10, 10 books, you know, so I can make like a strong number, like a 10, 12, 15, 20 books, but I was like, I don't know, this is uneven as hell, but that's okay. We do what we do here. Um, so the first book I wanted to talk about was... Beyond the Gender Binary by Alok Vade Menon. I think that's how you say their name. Um, but if you don't, I don't know. I see Alok everywhere. I see him. I see them on, um, like, I follow them on Instagram. And I just think that the work that they're doing is really great because it's like they are so, like, they are an activist. They are so outspoken and they express themselves to match their insides. And they're always wearing these very beautiful outfits. Like they're just, they seem like a very beautiful person. Um, and I wish I could meet them in person. But yeah, it says that Alok dares the world to see gender, not in black and white, but in full color. Taking from their own experiences as a gender non-conforming artist, they show us that gender is a malleable and creative form of expression. The only limit is your imagination. Um, I, what I was going to say, first of all, this book is only $8.99. It's very small. It's only 64 pages. I would say that um, if you are someone who has recently come out or you feel like you can't come out as whatever or you want to have these conversations with like people and your lo- you know, loved ones in your life, I would say that this is a really great book to give them because it is so short and it does get straight to the point. Um, we learn a little bit more about like Alok and their um experiences their challenges and things like that but we also talk about you know why they do this work um and we kind of like and they they talk about when people like dismiss you um you know for trying to express yourself in a way that feels right and good to you um i just i just think that this is such a great i think it's also a really great resource just to have and to have like discussions about if people are open to those discussions because i know that sometimes it's hard when you're asking people to think outside the box a little bit. And it shouldn't be, but it is. And I think that this could be a really great like start to someone's journey if they're, you know, if things are new to them and they're open to doing the work and reading. I think that this is a great gift. I think it's a great resource. Um, next up, I have talked about this book all year. It is Ace, What Asexuality Reveals About Desire, Society, and the Meaning of Sex. Let's see. Many people who hear about asexuality consider it an interesting pl- a piece of trivia. It's a little-known sexual orientation. Some people identify as asexual, and they should be accepted. Next, after all, if you're not asexual, what more is there to learn? Plenty, especially because misconceptions mean that some people are asexual without knowing it. In every place that sexuality touches society, asexuality does too, and the issues that asexuals struggle with are the same issues that people of every orientation are likely to confront. How many sexual how much sexual desire is a person supposed to have? What does the amount of desire we experience mean about our politics, personalities, and prospects for relationships? What should it mean? The dividing line between romance and friendship seems clear, but what is the difference when you eliminate sex? How do you work through a mismatch of sexual desire and relationships? The questions may be near universal. But the answers look different from the asexual or ace perspective. Aces aces have had to create our own way of looking at the world, offering new perspectives on identity and invisible inequalities. 
Ace explores this world and those who have found a place in it. There's the religious man who followed all the rules only to realize after marriage that this experience of sexuality had never been the same as that of others. There's the woman who ordered blood tests because she was convinced that not wanting sex was a sign of serious illness. Disabled aces, gender non-conforming aces, and aces of color question whether their orientation is a reaction against stereotypes and their self-doubt reveals how power and history and sex interact. Aces who don't want romantic relationships ask whether there's room for them, while kinky aces explain why the kink scene scene feels safer than the vanilla world with its assumptions about consent everyone wonders how society can be remade to be more inclusive because when it's more welcoming for aces it's also be more welcoming for anyone who isn't sexual in the right way quote unquote through reportage cultural criticism and memoir ace shows that we can all gain what we can all gain from the ace lens i have talked about this book a bazillion times this year and for good reason um, it really left an impact, an uh, imprint on me. Impact, big impact on me. Yes. Um, as someone who, you know, I'm trying to figure out like what is the meaning of sex, and you know, how do we see people for people when we're getting to know each other, especially when it comes to like dating on apps and just dating off of apps as well. You know, there is this big emphasis of sex on our culture and using sex for power and things like that, and you know, it's really nice that they also explain that in the book that, you know, you don't have to be asexual. Some people are not asexual forever. Like sometimes you do go through an asexual phase and things like that, but it is a very real identity. You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't know. I wish that people were more open to, you know, relating to one another without immediately bringing sex into things. Um, Unless sex is just really important to you, which that is not a crime either. No. So next up is another book I have been screaming from the rooftops. It is called Cast, The the Origins of Our Discontinence. Oh my God. The the origins of our discontinence. Wait, discontinence. Discontinence, not discontinence. Oh no. (laughs) It's by Isabel Wilkerson. Um... (laughs) And basically, this book um, kind of compares and contrasts um, the Jim Crow era to the Nazi Germany era, the caste systems of, you know, India. And we, we contrast and we compare them and we see how some people have, you know, done the actions to kind of move forward. But some of us are still kind of stuck on, you know, moving forward and remembering. Um, Let me just read this. In this brilliant book, Isabel Wilkerson gives us a masterful portrait of an unseen phenomenon in America as she explores through an immersive, deeply researched narrative and stories about real people how America today and throughout its history has been shaped by a hidden caste system, a rigid hierarchy of human rankings. Beyond race, class, or other factors, a powerful caste system influences people's lives and behavior and the nation's fate. Linking the caste systems of America, India, and Nazi Germany, Wilkerson explores eight pillars that underlie caste systems across civilizations, including divine will, bloodlines, and stigma. Using riveting stories about people, including Martin Luther King Jr., baseball satchel Paige, a single father and his toddler son, and Wilkerson herself, she knows the ways that the insidious undertow of caste is experienced every day. She documents how the Nazis studied the racial systems in America to plan their outcasting of the Jews. She discussed 
why the cruel logic of caste requires a bottom rung for those in the middle to measure themselves against. She writes about the surprising health costs of caste in depression and life expectancy and the effects of this hierarchy on our culture and, po and politics. Finally, she points forward to, to ways America can move beyond the artificial and destructive separations of human divisions toward hope in our common humanity. This book was amazing. If you could see this book right now, it, I tabbed the hell out of it. I put There were just so many great quotes, so many great stories that I want to come back to. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I just feel like this is a book that should be on everyone's like must-read list, no matter who you are. Um, cast and Ace should be on everyone's like reading list. Um, and cast is deceiving, actually, because it's not actually as thick as it looks, because you have to remember in works of nonfiction, sometimes they always put like a glossary in the back and they also put like sources cited. This book had a lot of sources cited. Um, and so while the book looks like it's like, oh, it's like 400 pages, it's actually like three something because, yeah, she had to put so much other stuff in the back. You know what I mean? Like resources cited, glossary. Um, and maybe a directory maybe of like where you can find different things, I think, but I'm not really sure. But yeah, the, the book is kind of, the size of the book is deceiving is what I will say. So I, I think that, and you don't, the thing about books like this, especially is you don't have to read them all in one sitting. You can take your time. That's what I did. I read this book over a few, uh, over a course of a few months. And I did the same thing with Ace, even though Ace is not as long, but I, it was just so much information that I was like, I felt myself having to like stop and just be like, okay, I need to like think about this. I need to reflect on this, you know? So yeah, next up we have Yoga as Resistance, Equity and Inclusion on and off the map by Dr. Stacey C.C. Graham. I have talked about this a few times already, um, but I think that this is a really great book for anyone who practices yoga, anyone who is like non, wait, I would, I would say this book is for everyone. But what I would say is like, if you are white and you own a yoga studio um, and most of your uh, most of your staff is white, this is a book that you might wanna have a couple copies on hand if y'all have like a community library or a library just for staff. I've had jobs that have like a library that are like specifically for the staff. This is a great conversation piece for y'all to do some stuff together like do like a book club or something or just discuss this book together and just see how you can do better because she discusses the yoga and wellness industry as a whole and how whitewashed and how sexualized it can be when like it's not supposed to be that way you know what I mean here, I'll go ahead and read the back of the book. Yoga as Resistance outlines a dynamic program of social justice reform within the yoga industry. The majority of teachers in North America and Europe are white, able-bodied, and cisgender. What does that single signal to people differently identified about their oh signal differently identified about their place in yoga? This book welcomes all to take part in questioning the status quo and learn how to move toward equity and why it matters. Seeking to inspire a whole community of radical change agents, Yoga as Resistance offers guidance to students, teachers, studio owners, and brand managers explaining how to practice self-inquiry, minimize harm, and follow practical strategies for advancing social justice and racial equity. The overall message is inclusive and profoundly inspiring. If we truly want to practice yoga, we must all come together to do the work. As this work is often challenging, each chapter closes with a yoga or meditation practice or journaling activity 
to embody deeper understanding and help deal with any discomfort or issues that may rise. So yes, there are, you know, journal prompts in here, great discussion questions, um, and just different like meditations. And um, I think it's just such a great book. And I think this is also a really great resource. And even if you're not really into yoga, I think that you should still read the book. I think that there's a lot of things that can kind of, uh, that you'll still be able to relate to. And it was just well done, well researched. Um, and Dr. CC, Dr. Stacy CC Graham should be very proud of the work that they did with this book. I actually got to meet them um, at one of my local bookstores a few months back. And we did like an hour long yoga demonstration. And then we kind of talked about the book. And it was just really nice to hear her talk about like her experiences when um, as like a black yoga instructor and you know her journey with all of this too so it was very nice next up we have gender queer by maya kababe i'm gonna go with that um this is let me see <sighs> maya maya has created an intensively cathartic audio autobiography about air path to identifying as non-binary and asexual and coming out to air family and society by addressing questions about gender identity, what it means, and how to think about it. The story also doubles as a much-needed, useful, and touching guide. Yes, I really enjoyed this memoir a lot. I saw myself in this memoir, too. Um, I gobbled it up in like a night, I believe, because I just could not stop writing it. But it was really great to see Air journey throughout this entire thing. Um, we're saying Air because those are their pronouns. E-I-R, I believe you say Air. I think that is. Or Ear. Air. I'll have to see how that actually is pronounced. I don't want to be out here sounding crazy. But um, this is also a book that they are trying to get banned. Uh, communities are trying to get banned. Um, and it's because like... There's, you know, imagery of like sexual situations, but I was like, I, I always find it really interesting when conservatives are like, oh my God, like there's sexual imagery, like, oh my God, they're having sex. Oh my, oh my, oh my God. And it's like, bitch, how you make them kids? Come on, stop playing with me. Like, get over it. <laughs> anyway, next book. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, which was a very good book. Um, this was, I mean, absolutely amazing. I think this was based off of a, an essay that Rennie Edelodge had originally written, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. The, um, the essay is in here for you to read. They, so they included it in there, but there's also like a history of like racism and anti-blackness, but, but not just from America's standpoint. This was actually from people who live in Europe, black people who live in Europe and like their experiences with anti-black, anti-blackness. And then when you try to hold people accountable or when you try to hold communities accountable, they're like, oh, we don't want to talk about anti-racism. We don't want to talk about like multiculturalism or whatever. Like they, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's... You just have to, this is one of those books you just need to read for yourself. Um, I was going through a breakup with like a white person uh, when I read this. And before I remember we broke up because um, they just weren't as like 
intersectionally minded as I would like, but they also weren't trying to try to be either. They were just like, I can't do this. I don't want to read this. I don't want to do this. And I felt bad because I was like, I'm used to being like, oh, I can just teach them. I have to teach them how to love me and blah, blah, blah. But if I'm telling you the things that I want, you know, I'm telling you things that are important to me, especially if I'm going to have a white partner potentially, you're basically saying you're not going to do those things. So at the end of the day, you can't meet my needs. And this book helps me kind of work through that a little bit, work through that like guilt and shame I had towards breaking up with that person because I was like, oh, like it is their job to be interested in this outside of just me. They should want to do this kind of stuff. They should want to do this kind of work, do this kind of reading. And this is like the bare minimum that they could be doing. But they told me in cold blood that they didn't want to they didn't want to do this. And so I shouldn't feel I mean there's no breakup stories in here, but I'm just saying. This is just me personally and why it hit as hard as it did for me. Um because it's like yeah, like you know in a relationship in an interracial relationship, I would think that race will be an evolving conversation that does come up from time to time. And I would want a partner who isn't going to be threatened by that, you know, or feel like, oh, I'm being a bad person because I don't know what to say or blah, blah, blah. It's okay to say you don't know what to say. You know what I mean? It's okay to say those things, but also, like, you can't depend on me to be your teacher. You're going to have to get information for yourself. And if you're not going to do that because you don't want to, because you don't feel like it, that's not a crime, as people have told me. But we have to admit that we can't meet each other's needs at that point. Um, and that was an honesty that I was willing to face and that they were not. So we are done. So um, Next up, we have The Right to Sex, which is feminism in the 21st century. Let's see. So it says, how should we think about sex? It is a thing we have and also a thing we do. A supposedly private act laden with public meaning, a personal preference shaped by outside forces, a place where pleasure and ethics can pull widely apart. How should we talk about sex? Since the hashtag MeToo, many have fixed on consent as the key framework for achieving sexual justice. Yet consent is a blunt tool to grasp sex in all of its complexity, its deep ambivalences, its relationship to gender class race and power we need to move beyond yes and no wanted and unwanted we do not know the future of sex but perhaps we can imagine it in amia's stunning debut she helps us do just that she traces the meaning of sex in our world animated by the hope for a different world she reaches back into an older feminist tradition that was unafraid to think of sex as a political phenomenon. She discusses a range of fraught relationships between discrimination and preference, pornography and freedom, rape and racial justice, punishment and accountability, students and teachers, pleasure and power, capitalism and liberation. Um, but yeah, this book of essays, uh, you know, you don't have to agree with everything that's in here. That's fine. But she made some points in here and I will have this book for a while and I'll probably, I already kind of like went through and highlighted the essays that I kind of want to go back to and read again. Um, but they, this book left a huge impression on me and I would love to discuss this book with people personally or like, you know, in a more intimate environment. Um, next up is a book I've also talked about before. It's called White Walling, Art, Race and Protest in Three Acts. 
2017, the Whitney Biennial included a painting by a white artist, Dana Schutz, of the lynched body of a young black teenager, Emmett Till. In 1979, anger brewed over a show at New York's artist space titled The Nigger Drawings. In 1969, the Metropolitan Museum of Art's exhibition, Harlem On My Mind, did not include any paintings or sculptures by black artists in all three cases. Black artists and writers and their allies organized vigorous responses using the only forum available to them, public protest. Whitewalling art, race, and protest in three acts reflects on these inf- incidents in the long and troubled history of art and race in post-war America. It lays bare how the art world, no less than the country at large, has persistently struggled with the politics of race and the ways that struggle, and the ways that this struggle has influenced how museums, curators, and artists wrestle with notions of free speech and specter of censorship. Whitewalling takes a critical, intimate look at these three acts in the history of the American art scene and asks, when we speak of artistic freedom and freedom of speech, who exactly is free to speak? This book was absolutely amazing. It's a short read as well, um, but definitely take your time if you're going to read this book also. Fantastic work. It, I mean, it really left, it left an impact or wait, it impacted me is what I should say. (laughs) Next up, we have Well-Read Black Girl, Finding Our Stories, Discovering Ourselves by Glory Edom, founder of the Well-Read Black Girl Book Club. So it says, remember that moment when you first encountered a character who seemed to be written just for you? Unfortunately, not everyone regularly sees themselves in the pages of a book. In this timely anthology, Glory, Glory Edom brings together original essays by some of our best black women writers to shine light on how important it is that we all regardless of gender race religion or ability have the opportunity to find ourselves in literature so some of the contributors um were jasmine ward lynn nottage jacqueline woodson gabare sidibe morgan jerkins um rebecca walker barbara smith um, as she has done with her book club turned online community, well-read Black Girl in this anthology, Lori Adam has created a space in which Black women's writing and knowledge and life experiences are lifted up to be shared with all readers who value the power of a story to help us understand the world and ourselves. Um, yes. <clears throat> Very great book. I really enjoyed all of the essays. And it was really nice. Oh, my God. I need some water. It was really nice to read about other black women who were also bookworms and who were also looking for that representation um, that could not be found. (laughs) So I always talk about on this podcast about like how, especially in the YA genre, we are seeing young people telling their stories, talking about how they, how things made them feel, how they feel. I am all about people feeling their emotions. um, And I'm really happy that like, our YA authors of today are really like getting in there and telling these stories, no matter how hard or how challenging they may be to get out. We need, we need more of this like representation and it's, and it goes a little bit deeper than representation also. Cause it's like, it's not just about having a black author, but like, you know, different stories because black women are not monoliths. Black people are not monoliths. Next up, I wanted to talk about the ethical slut. I know everyone's heard about this, but it's just basically, I, I have heard it said that it's like the Bible of like non-monogamy. Um, and it just really talks about what, you know, what mono- what non-monogamy is, um, what, you know, 
and it really goes into like the umbrella of non-monogamy so like solo poly swingers um relationship anarchy and things like that and i got the third edition which they said is updated and expanded so you know they also talk about like asexual people trans people non-binary people it's uh more inclusive this edition this third edition of it is more um more inclusive um and i really enjoyed reading this book i learned a lot and you know i'm probably gonna have this book forever because uh, it 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 made it impacted me y'all it impacted me the last book i did talk about this before but it's called polysecure attachment trauma and consensual non-monogamy by jessica fern um i like that this book talked about attachment styles in non-monogamous relationships specifically um we also again get like that basic definition of what polyamory is what non-monogamy is consensual we talk about consensual non-monogamy um and I think the thing between both of these books, The Ethical Slut and Polysecure, is that, you know, this, these books, they're not trying to change you to be, you know, or to try polyamory or to, to be non-monogamous. Um, and they're not saying being monogamous is a crime, because it's not. I think that any relationship that you go into is hard work. It's not just like, oh, polyamorous, too many people, da da da. Because just because you are polyamorous, that doesn't mean that you have more than one partner that doesn't mean you know you like you can be polyamorous and not be dating anyone you can be polyamorous and dating one person long term like that's just you know what I mean like it doesn't just look one way and so I think you know especially when we think about like meaningful media in these spaces of polyamory um I think that these two books are very important works and I think that you know when you are deciding like oh I'm poly or oh, I'm interested in non-monogamy I think that as well as listening to people on like TikTok and other content creators that are talking about their journey, make sure that you're listening to people who have been doing this for a while, as well as people who have been doing it for, you know, a short term or whatever, and, you know, just kind of saying whatever, and make sure you're also getting the facts about what this means and the kind of work that you're going to have to be doing as well. Um, because like polyamory is not just about collecting partners, it's how we relate to each other, and how you know what I mean it can actually be this thing that is like more community minded if we you know accept that imagination if we accept to use our imagination in that way and we can imagine like a, a, a another world you know what I mean everything doesn't have to be nuclear family but um I'm also listening to this podcast right now it is called well the episode is called decolonizing sex and I think it's called the All Relations Podcast. I believe that's what it's called, but I will put it in the show notes just to, uh, just so you know. But I was uh, listening to that and I really enjoyed it because there was actually like critiques on polyamory. And then I think there's like difference between like white, popular white polyamory and then polyamory with everybody else. Because like, I don't know. I'm Actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say I was going to like share this story and then I was like, I'm not going to do that because this fucking episode would be a bazillion hours long and no one has time for that. But Polysecure and The Ethical Slut, if you are thinking about polyamory or if you are just interested in these titles and you're just like, no, I'm, I'm pretty secure in my monogamous lifestyle, blah, 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 then you should still read it. Like, I, I don't think that monogamy, sometimes monogamy has like the the potential to be stuffy depending on the partner and especially if you have a partner that is not open-minded 
um, and they believe that monogamy has to look one way. Um, this could be some, these two works could be something that you bring into the relationship and you all read these books together and you guys discuss chapter by chapter, like what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like what, what is going on? Um, and, and you don't have to discuss it. You don't have to read these books together with the end goal of like, oh, at the end of this, we will be polyamorous or we will be non-monogamous. No, but you can just say, we read the books, we read some texts about this subject and we don't know that it exactly works for us but we're open to some ideas you know yeah like you never know what you could learn if you keep your mind open so yeah that's all i got uh, but those are my favorite non-fictions that i've read this year i have a youtube video coming out about my top fiction books that i read this year and i'm really excited about it um I have been trying to get this YouTube channel off the ground for a really long time. I have been creating on it, but I was just kind of unsure about what the what I wanted to do on it. And so I think the best thing I can do is just try to do what I want and see what sticks. And what sticks is because of like, oh, I feel good when I'm doing this kind of content. Not necessarily <laughs> what other people want me to make you know what I mean so I don't know I hope you stick by me with this journey I hope you have a beautiful start to 2023 and big changes are coming for you I can just feel it I know it um and I hope that y'all have a great new year have a great holiday time with family friends chosen family all of that um and I'll talk to y'all later all right bye